0: Hi, my name is Rob Edwards. I'm executive chairman of BlueJay Mining. We're listed on the AIM exchange in London. We're also uh, listed uh, as an OTC uh, stock in North America and also on Frankfurt. We're currently capped at about $11 million US.
1: Our EV is about $7.5 million. Rob, thank you very much for the introduction. Um, what is BlueJay Mining? BlueJay Mining is a discovery
0: entity. We seek to discover projects of commercial worth in Finland and in Greenland, two jurisdictions where the company's been active for a long time. Um, In Greenland, the assets are of of scale, of district scale. In Finland, they are prior mining districts, which we are rediscovering successfully. But we have several, several projects within the company, which arguably, if we divided the company into three companies we'd have um, pretty three pretty interesting juniors within that setup so we we've kind of struggled I think to articulate to people the scale of the opportunity in Bluejay. Uh, historically the project, uh, the company advanced a mineral sands project in the north of Grinland which we've now recently classified as non-core because it is unlikely we'll be able to realise commercial value from that project after several years of of trying to make it work but the recent drilling um, didn't meet expectations, and uh, it's just a difficult low-grade project uh, in a pretty remote region. So, But we are fully focused on battery metals across a whole range of the elements that fall into that bracket, from nickel to cobalt to PGMs to zinc to germanium to copper as well. So uh, we have a great story to tell. Uh, we are in good jurisdictions, low-risk jurisdictions. We're in jurisdictions which both are supportive of mining, and uh, we aim to um, create a, a fresh narrative about ourselves, which really does justice to the assets that we have. And um,
1: Rob, if I read that back to you, it sounds as if you're a, kind of an exploration development company with a portfolio of assets, but you're not a. Uh, an exploration geologist. You're, um, i um, you know, disclaimer here. I've known you for twenty, possibly longer, twenty five years. I think um, since we first met in West Africa. You're not an exploration geologist. You're a, um, you've got a varied history as a mining engineer, analyst, and banker. Um, and yet here we are. Here you are in an exploration and development company. Um, before we get into your relationship with Blue Jay, uh, can you tell the viewers? a little bit about your heritage and your philosophy and, and what your um, kind of core areas of expertise are.
0: Well, I think Merlin, you've, you've touched on an important point. I mean, I, I didn't foresee taking this role. I took this role because I had a, an historical interest in Blue Jay uh, and a historical interest in Greenland um, through another company um, called um which is now called Energy Transition Metals, which holds the Kavanagh Felt Rare Earth projects in the south of Greenland. I was already—I'm uh, an emerging markets mining analyst for a long for a long period of my career. Frontier jurisdictions really interest me, and I've always, you know, had a philosophy of of trying to be in the next part of the world where things happen from a discovery perspective, recognizing that as long as you identify world class assets everything else can change. Governments can change. Commodity cycles can change. Management can change. Shareholders can change. Project dynamics can change. But as long as you get hold of world-class assets, you should be fine over the long run. And I think in BlueJay, when the opportunity came up, which I wasn't expecting it to, um, I thought about it long and hard, recognized the company has some challenges. AIM is not traditionally a market which I'm active in, um, although I am a director of another own company. But I, I thought the on a five to 10 year view, this is going to be really, really interesting, just geopolitically where the, the world is, with the assets we have, and the opportunity to reshape a company. Um, which I think could slightly come to a dead end in terms of uh, how to strategically move to the next level.
1: I mean, of course, lots to unpack in that. Mm. You talk about Greenland and world-class assets. As an exploration geologist, which is my heritage, whenever I approach Greenland, I do it with caution because I know that it's very expensive um, operating there. And world-class assets can be, large assets can be expensive to... To explore for, and we are in this point of a cycle where, for the last three years, there's been the the, there's been this kind of increasingly punitive cost of capital for of equity for uh, exploration. And Mm -hmm. I just wonder, is Greenland still a priority for you, just where we are in the in the cycle, or are you looking to take a slightly more, I don't know, defensive approach to um, your targets coming up, and kind of and perhaps spend more of your time and effort on the Finland side of the portfolio?
0: Most recently, we have spent more time in Finland, um, primarily because we believed, and this has turned out to be true, that for a small and modest amount of capital, we can drill high-grade intersections of base metals, which would appear, if at scale, to be mineable. And uh, we've done that. Um, And we have several targets in Finland the market was completely unaware that we, in fact, had a finished portfolio. We had challenges getting a program away in Greenland, primarily because of pack ice at Kangalwasset, primarily because of a, a slight hiatus in activity in our JV with Cobalt Metals at Disco. Uh, you're right, there is a short expiration window. It is relatively expensive. You have to plan far ahead. You have to be able to execute. And there are, there are the first wave of junior companies in 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 Greenland, hardly any of them have been naturally successful and had the progression that you may expect a junior company to have in another jurisdiction, where it's easier to explore in Africa or Western Australia or parts of South America. Um, so. Projects like Ironbark Zinc in the far north of, of Greenland have been around so long that I remember pitching to them to Rose Capital 10 years ago, and they're still there. They're very far north. Uh, Greenland Rubies has not been successful. Uh, even Amarak today, which is a successful company building a gold mine in the south of Greenland, this is the second version of the company. They had to recapitalize and think again. But I think, you know, they Blue Jay aims to be part of the second generation of companies active in Greenland, which actually delivers a project and takes it through to to, uh, the highest point in the S curve, which it possibly can. Now, to do that, that doesn't mean that if you do find something which you want to develop in a mine, it doesn't become a mine. There are lots of mines in Arctic conditions which operate 12 months of the year. and I, I was on the board of Neurosnickel for eight and a half years, that's in the Arctic circle we think about Red Dog, if we think about Polaris, both operated by uh, Tech, Cominco, there there I can name you a dozen uh, successful commercial 12-month-year operations in Arctic conditions. But the expiration phase is painful. You have to be very effective with your dollar. Uh, You do spend money on helicopters. It's unavoidable. But where we are on the coast, you can access a lot of projects by boat as well. Both of our projects in Greenland are which are Kangaloo, our second disco, are reassuringly close to Ilulasat, which is developing as a city, uh, not really a city, but it's a large town. It has international flights now. We can, uh, we're can we an hour away from both of our projects to our office and accommodation. Uh, it's relatively easy, but the seasonality is is tricky, definitely. But the prize is potentially very big.
1: You mentioned uh, Cobalt Minerals. Um, this is the kind of the billionaire. Uh, AI uh, plaything. When I look on their website, they seem to be kind of quite excited about stuff in Zambia. And you mentioned that there's a hiatus. Uh, I, I see that they've just published in late twenty three the geophysical results from the surveys that they did in twenty twenty two. What's what's happening with Cobalt and and um, and, and Disco? Because you've got big. To physical targets but they're deep and you know are, are they engaged are they going to actually be spending some money
0: We are both committed to instituting a program for next year when that deal was signed uh, between Blue Jay and Cobold it was unconventional for a couple of reasons. it was quite short in terms of tenure it was only three years and it was wasn't particularly generous in terms of funding. Uh, I know that Blue Jay had looked at another deal from a big mining company, which was, you know, a, mul- a multiple of the dollars committed in the Cobalt deal, but over a longer tenor of time, as a traditional farming deal. So the Cobalt JV is structured unconventionally. Um, Blue Jay is the operator. Um, I think that in the first season there was an, o- well, there definitely was an overspend by Cobalt. I think they found the conditions a little bit more challenging. Um, and just um, the fact those targets, you mentioned they're deep. They're no deeper, really, than many nickel sulfide targets around the world. We're talking about tops of structures being at three to 400 meters and going down to 700 meters. Um, but there is no reason that those targets wouldn't be drilled. And they should be drilled, and that's why they the JV is structured the way it is, there is a drilling commitment requirement in it. Um, And if that dollar threshold isn't met or the drilling commitment isn't met, then control reverts back to us. This is a long-term project. I mean, clearly the project doesn't drop dead at the end of that three-year period, which is December 2024. We are very committed to advancing that project. There are other big interests in the area, uh, namely Anglo-American, who stakes ground around us. Um, and we're very confident that the targets we have are all of merit. That's what partners have both agreed on. Uh, it took a while to
1: get to that point, but we are and there have you now. Got, if you've got traction with their technical team, I mean, are you, are you able to contact them or are they um, off in their mega yachts or are they actually behaving like a real company?
0: I mean, Cobalt, Cobalt has come from nothing to having a very big team, um, a lot of programmers. A lot of data. Uh they are their flagship project is very much Zambia at this point in time. Um and I think that's gonna suck up a lot of their resources. But they yes, we do have um a, a regular a regular uh dialogue with them. Um if anything a slightly you know Blue Jay I think can add more technically we have a very strong geological bench. Um we have all the historical data on DISCO. There've been many PhDs written on that area and our licenses. There is, in fact, Falcon Bridge drilled a hole there and that core is in Copenhagen. Um, that hits some pretty impressive and spectacular um, gold um, grays at the bottom of that hole, but it was stopped um, in mineralization when cairn energy had disco they were drilling for hydrocarbons and they were pulling out sulfides from our big valley targets Uh, but no no one ever logged it as such so it you know there's a lot of smoke there there's no reason why those targets wouldn't be drilled i think that we're you know blue jay um, uh, is starting to contribute more on the technical side so it becomes more balanced from a technical perspective the way that our joint venture with rio operated in finland is that we basically we had control of the budget and we basically had a, a very high weighting in terms of technical input which we presented to rio on a regular basis and that that
1: is the way that we like to work uh, in in terms of a jv well let's 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 jump over to that that project in finland because when i look through your presentation that's the enon koski um project written to yeah. um written to out of the joint venture and yet when i look at your suite of assets that's the one the me it's got the, it's got the juiciest headlines i mean 33 percent at four percent nickel, 33 meters at four percent nickel and uh 19 meters at six percent nickel you know those are pretty exciting numbers by most measures commercial um, is, is is more than commercial is 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 that that your flagship and and why did reason to pull out and and what's the plan there
0: Mm. It was a big, it
1: was a big license. Era. They they
0: uh they pulled out when it was time for them to either take control, so move to fifty one percent. They spent four point six million dollars, which we basically have kept in terms of data. We have a hundred percent of the project now. So big mining companies, as you know, Merlin, they they go into JVs and they pull out of JVs for different reasons. I know that Rio has a large license in the north of Finland, but we weren't the only (coughs) um, joint venture that they they pulled out of uh, in Finland. Um, Rio don't have a big nickel portfolio, as you know, but they only really worked around one of the targets on Alinkoski. So the rest of the belt remains open. There is a lot of work to do there. Since that um, joint venture came to um, its end, we have had um, more than one big nickel, stroke-based metals minor approaches uh, to um, look at Enonkoski, and they are excited by it. But take City wanting to sit back and look at the whole belt in its entirety because it's clearly a big system here. It's clearly fertile, um, and you know what what we know from the work from Rio is around one. End of it. The rest of it is open, um, but you know, I think I think that your observations are correct. Uh, because uh, J V ended, I think the market decided that Enecoski was somehow dud, uh, and there we were saying, well, we've got this great finished portfolio. Our stance hasn't changed. We do think we've got a, a, an interesting finished portfolio for which the companies received no value, and certainly where we're capped at the moment at 11 million dollars US. Is uh does not represent uh what we have. Lots of single asset companies cap to that level. Uh, I can't think of one uh company that has two district scale opportunities in Finland and three uh really interesting licenses um uh as well in Finland. Um, uh, two district scale opportunities in Greenland, rather. Um, but I, I think for us it's about unlocking these layers which we have to do.
1: I, I I've seen over time that the people that have many children are either in kind of in impoverished countries where you need the kind of labour and you're not sure that they're going to make it through to adulthood, or in developed countries, they're people that can afford loads and loads of school fees. And it's and because children are expensive and you've got to feed them all and, and kind of clothe them. And it's, it's in some ways, it's a little, by, little bit like mineral exploration companies. You know, a project, a company with lots of mouths to feed needs to have lots of separate budgets. If you don't have the capital resources and an income stream, you've got to fund that through equity or alternative um uh deals, joint ventures and partnerships. How 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 will you fund your large um brood of projects or children going forward? I mean it, um you know it's it's a tough market out there, so so what's the what's the plan?
0: Yes, and isn't it tough? We've discovered that through having to do two very painful uh issuances of equity um, this year. So my I in my current role have to deliver survivability of the company and also have to fuel budgets into next year. Yeah there is a there is where the mispricing comes in and I can't divulge all of the details, but we where the mispricing of our company comes in is that there is significant strategic interest in our assets. And we've pointed to this as much as we, we can. Uh, the next uh, milestone will be delivering one or preferably two strategic investors before the end of this year. So we would aim to replace and perhaps enlarge uh, Rio's prior commitments in Finland. So that would be when we when we present ourselves to strategics, you know, we fall naturally into two two silos. One's Finland, and one's Greenland. Greenland's is a slightly different challenge because they're just earlier stage, there is strategic money interested in um, Blue Jays efforts in Greenland. Now, we've we've got all the bad news out there in terms of um, you know, having to retire basically Dundas and Seek also. Also, strategic partners for that, which I think we've already had one or two inquiries on that, interestingly, for people in the mineral sand sector, because that whole region should be consolidated. So, uh, but in terms of Greenland, you know, we have uh, interests specifically out of North America, uh, non sectors um, money, but supply chain orientated money of the type of uh, of which there is a pool available. And that pool continues to be available. Um, I don't know if it'd be available forever, but we'd be mad not to align ourselves with one of them, which will send a message to the market saying, hey, here's market caps in round numbers, $10 million. Why has Blue Jay been able to attract a JV commitment of X in Greenland and a, and a a, another commitment in in Finland worth much more than its market cap. There's a miss. There's a miss. Um, a mismatch here. So that's my sole job. That's all I'm focused on is delivering that strategic capital, which isn't dilutive to shareholders, which changes the perception that we're perpetually on the verge of going bust or about to come back to the market for another issue. Um, which changes that perception. so We don't have to go cap in hand back to our aim-based investors for another round of, of, of G&A capital to keep us alive. What we showed with the modest amount of money that we, we raised in in, um, in late June is that we were able to take that money and we were able to put some cheap quick holes in Hamish Larty, and we hit mineralization every hole. What more could you ask for?
1: that hasn't been released yet or it has been released yet
0: uh we're working we're working on that but the we have told the market that we hit mineralization every help. okay (laughs)
1: yeah i i i I won't (laughs) discuss it yeah yeah yeah. no i um good um okay so so effectively it's it's the old school project generator or prospect generator model now where you where you attract capital into your projects, potentially with a cash element to give you funding so that you can cover your g and and potentially do a tiny bit of um, uh, self-funded exploration on the side.
0: Yeah, you could quite easily um, pencil in a, a, a $20 million budget for Disco over the next four years. You could quite easily pencil in a, a kind of 10 to $50 million dollar budget on Kangalo RSEC. Which would attract a major, I'm pretty sure. People are interested in that because of the the sheer scale of the opportunity. It's a large basin. The five kilometre discovery zone, historical grab samples of forty percent zinc, and, you know, lead and silver, germanium, copper. There's a lot going on there geologically. Why, you know, that that merits a drill bit. And it will get a drill bit. It's our, our job to make sure that it does. And that transforms transforms the um, the the perception of the company Um, and because we can take you know having a portfolio is a commitment as long as you're not funding them all at the same time and they move at different speeds you have to be very sure if you rank all these projects from one to five and you have your non-core bin which is there's a couple of assets in there one of them we put into metals one which is just listed on aim so we own 29 percent of metals one plc which is drilling in in Finland and in in Norway, but if you rank them, we have to be very sure um, that every dollar we spend generates a a, a milestone. We don't have the luxury of having the kind of ambitious spend um, that the company had five six years ago when it was pushing pushing Dundas very hard, and uh, with the exp- expectation that I was going to deliver a mine. Um, so
1: we've been through that phase. Yeah yeah the markets the markets completely different i mean you ha- one has to be defensive in this in this um, sure. um phase and one has to find other people to strategics to 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 fund it good um just to to kind of, to wrap up the the kind of the key news flow to really be a catalyst for the company will be whether you can deliver a strategic one or a um one or two by the end of the year is there any other news flow to Kind of keep an eye out for and um and i'll come back at the end with a question about your cash position
0: yeah so immediate news flow is the um is the fully interpreted assays and our interpretation structure of the drill intercepts that we we got at hamish lati i mean hamish lati is a former mine it was mined from surface uh, as copper and zinc uh, vms deposit with some pretty interesting gold byproducts completely open at depth um, BlueJ's predecessor drilled what what we now call refer to as the e-load uh, in 2015 and hit you know two three percent copper with some gold and zinc didn't drill it again so blue jay had never drilled um, the e-load uh, after um, it was consolidated into blueJy in 2016. so we have uh, we now understand that the e-load uh, story is very much intact. Uh, we now also believe that there are other structures to be drilled uh, down uh, along the uh, the plunge of that structure. So, I I my gut feel is, and I I have my old mining new business hat on, is that a back of the back of the fag packet calculation suggests that we need to get to a ten million ton uh, m and i resource at good grade, and then we've got a mine. Uh, and part of it will be mine from surface. So that's my vision. That's my my north star for Hamish And I think with uh, not a great deal of capital, we can uh, move the project along to that point. Um, yeah. And after that, after that, it's it's the strategics, and uh, we have to deliver um, one, ideally two of those, and then we are away into 2024. Uh, without having to ask for um, that much capital from the market, um, and we'll try and really, really keep
1: that down. What's your cash? are you come sub million pounds at the moment?
0: Uh, our cash uh, burn rate as a corporate is about um, nine hundred thousand pounds a year. That's our burn rate, without doing um, uh, any work in the field. The joys of um,
1: being a listed company.
0: Yeah, so we have we have rationalised. We we you know we've had to we've had to uh, downsize the team a little bit. Um, the uh, myself and the CEO are on one third salary. We have been since the middle of the year, and none of the directors get paid. But that is the reality of uh, running a junior company in the current market conditions. We have to we have to you know plough on, and uh, we have to keep our eyes on the long term horizon. Um, because I think, uh, as you know, we are in a cyclical industry. Every cycle is different. I don't know what's going to be the trigger for the next uptick, but uh, clearly, you know, in a risk-off macro downturn, it's pretty unpleasant, and um,
1: yeah, but we will get there. Keep plugging away. Um, bring in the strategic, and I look forward to uh, hearing the, the news while, once that's in the bag, and uh, um, we can talk about the plans for 2024. Thank you, Miller.